Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Contemporary Service here at Noblesville First. We're so excited that you've joined us for worship today. If you didn't grab an action card on your way in, we invite you to grab one at some point. Fill it out for us. Let us know you're here. It also gives you information about all the different ways you can volunteer here at Noblesville First. We'd love to have you get involved. We love to kick off worship with some songs of praise. Why don't you stand and join us as we sing our praise to God this morning. together. Sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the name of Jesus. What's not to love us? you heaven and earth adore you kings and kingdoms bow down son of god you are the one you are the one we're living for you are the love that frees us you are the light that leads us a fire burning son of god you are the one you are the one we're living for sing 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 and make music with the heavens we will sing 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 grateful that you hear us when we It's amazing. 
together. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, for the opportunity to be here, for filling this place with your glorious presence, and that you call us friend. We thank you so much for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We invite you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you.
you to enjoy this reading of our scripture for this morning. Hi, I'm James. I'm Amanda. And, and we're, we're the Lindors. This week's scriptures are Matthew 16, 13 through 18, and John 15, 12 through 15. From Matthew. Now when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the human one is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, happy are you, Simon son of Jonah, because no human has shown this to you. Rather my father, who is in heaven, has shown me. I tell you that you are Peter, and I build my church on this rock. The gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it. And from John. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my Father I have made known to you. We are thankful for the gift of Scripture. Amen. I 
was so engaged in that wonderful reading that I didn't think I needed my mic today. <laughs> well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Contemporary Worship. We are so glad that you are here this morning. I am Pastor Jill, and we are starting a new series this week called Freeing Jesus. And each week we'll be rediscovering Jesus as friend, teacher, Savior, Lord, way, and presence. So this morning we'll be talking about Jesus as friend. Now I told uh, Pastor Matt what a perfect song that I am a friend of God. Uh, there's a lot of really bad music out there about Jesus as friend. Um, just look it up. If you want some entertainment, Jesus is my friend on YouTube. But that's a good one. I'm a friend of God is one of my, my better favored ones of, of this topic. So sharing from my uh, point of view that years ago, um, when I was part of the Jewish faith, many of you have heard my faith journey over the past uh, few, few months in the year that I've been here. But there was a time when, as a Jewish person, I was discerning what all I believed, and I struggled to understand the person of Jesus and what that all meant. Who was Jesus? Who was he really? Uh, who did people say that he was? So I read many books, and I asked a lot of questions. I went to a church where I struggled with the fact that they would not allow women in leadership. And I was frustrated with the Jesus that I was hearing about, the one who condemned people, the one who judged, the one who people had to follow strict rules for in order to be considered holy. The, this Jesus has unfortunately scared people away from the Christian faith and the church. One of the most consistent things that we hear is that people who have left feel that the church of Christianity has failed them or has wounded them or betrayed them or maybe just bored them. Surely I thought there is more to Jesus than this. Surely Jesus needs to be taken out of the many boxes that we have put him in. Surely Jesus needs to be set free from the many labels that we placed on him. So I have brought with me this morning my God box. It's kind of beaten up by now. I've had it for several years. And it, it stays in my office as a reminder that we are all guilty of putting God in a box, right? When we start thinking that, well, God is this way or God is that way, or around election season we hear things like, uh, well, you know, Jesus was more of a Republican, or Jesus was more of a Democrat, or Jesus was more of a Libertarian, right? Jesus looks a lot like we want him to look. So whenever I find myself, especially in my preparing for sermons or, or teaching a group or whatever I'm doing, if I find myself putting Jesus back in the box, I remind myself, nope, you need to take him out. We are all guilty of it. So there's my God box this morning. You probably have your own somewhere, maybe not a literal box, but if it helps you, I invite you to, to put that somewhere where it will speak to you. So Diana Butler Bass, the author of Freeing Jesus, shares about a time when she heard that she believed to be the voice of Jesus. She was praying at one of her favorite places, a chapel with a crucifix, a lot like this one you see here. On this day, as she prayed, she asked, where are you, God? 
After asking again and a few moments of silence, a voice replied, Get me out of here. She looked around, stunned. She stared up at the Jesus on the crucifix. Jesus, is that you? She asked. Get me out of here, she heard again, more insistent now. She wasn't sure what to think. She certainly couldn't smuggle a huge altarpiece out of the chapel. (laughs) She certainly couldn't speak of the strange encounter to just anyone on the street. So she got up and she bolted out of the building, all the while thinking about how she might rescue Jesus from the chapel and set him free. It could be said that many people who have left the church have heard that same voice that Diana did that day. And they are trying to free Jesus that he might roam the world with them. Free of the constraints put on him by doctrine, history, or theology. Or the boxes. There are, of course, those who stay within the church and hear Jesus pleading for release from the constraints placed on him. A few years ago, while our news feeds were full of the tragedies of the abandoned children at the border, a Methodist minister here in Indianapolis area put baby Jesus in a cage on her church's front lawn. Do you remember hearing about this? It actually made national headlines. So by identifying Jesus with refugee children being held at the border, After all, Jesus was a refugee. The church was attempting to pressure authorities to release them. Those Methodists wanted to free Jesus too, both as a political and theological point. It was a dramatic and powerful way to equate the captive Jesus with the poor, the weak, the voiceless, and all of those held in bondage. The cage Jesus did make national news, and many people offered their support, but the church and its pastor also received death threats, saying that it was blasphemous to imprison Jesus. If we really think about it, it's strange that a physical fence bothers people. If only we might notice the invisible fences we already place around Jesus, those boxes that we place him in. If only we might realize that Jesus is imprisoned in so many ways. So we need to think about the fact of who Jesus really is, what he came to accomplish, and how he works in our lives today. What does it mean, then, to set Jesus free? So we'll spend the next few weeks talking about what it means to free Jesus and see him as these things in our series as friend, teacher, savior, lord, way, and presence. And along the way, we will discover Jesus in new ways and hopefully open our hearts to discovering Jesus all over again. In, 1982, or in 1892, German scholar Martin Koller made a distinction between the Jewish Jesus of history and the Christ of faith. He believed that the Jesus of history needed to be recovered and reclaimed to be understood. And also the Christ of faith needed to be renewed and understood as the Jesus Christ of Orthodox belief. Over the years, authors, teachers, and pastors tried to integrate the two, 
but mostly people just took sides, and we continue to do so today. Which one is he? But what if we were to appreciate the Jesus of history and learn from the theological traditions, but then add a third category of the Jesus that we might know, the Jesus of experience. Experience. What if we could just go back to the basics? As I was wrestling with my faith years ago, I studied the historical Jesus. I went above and beyond trying to grasp the Christ of faith. I went overboard with trying to understand what it all meant. But at the end of the day, it was the Jesus of my experience who won me over. The Jesus who felt real to me. The Jesus who gave me a peace that passes all understanding. The Jesus of the Gospels who I saw minister to the lost and the lonely, the sick and forgotten, the poor and the voiceless. The Jesus who came to me as a seeking soul and who called to me and claimed me as a child of God, a friend of God, despite my imperfections. The Jesus of experience is the one who calls us to set him free. So as we consider what it means to set Jesus free, we will need to reconstruct a little of who he is. We will need to reflect upon the most important question we will ever have to answer. Who is Jesus to you? Or as Jesus asked his disciples, as we heard in the scripture passage, who do you say that I am? A group of people on the streets of New York City were asked this very question. Let's see what they had to say. Historical figure? I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person, like us? He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was a marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't, don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not going to say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was... Muhammad, and so is, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, um, and he, to me, is the, like, symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that, like, constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like, religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just <coughs> tried to... Um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. So as you can see, Jesus is many things to many people. And I'm sure you could add your list of who you feel Jesus is. And the last person said, I've come to believe, and he, he seemed to have wrestled a bit, but he says over the years that Jesus is my closest friend. This is a good place to start, I think. 
In the scripture lesson from John's gospel, we heard that Jesus calls his disciples friends. He goes as far as to make a special distinction between servants and friends. No longer is there any kind of hierarchy between us, Jesus says, you are my friends. In that world, Caesar was a god. Everyone feared him. He had no friends. In the same way, Egyptians and Persians had gods, none of whom were friends to regular people. Those gods awaited sacrifices, strict loyalty, and set cold and isolated and golden temples. But Jesus calls us friends, reaching toward us not as a master or judge, but a friend, calling us to reach back. We are called, then, to be friends of God. Author Anne Lamott shares a time early in her faith journey as she was coming out of a period of addiction and depression. She had an experience with Jesus as a friend that changed her life after a night that she almost overdosed. As she sat in a dangerous state, she had a vision of Jesus sitting alone in a corner with her. He offered a presence of comfort and healing. After that experience, she started slow. She found that if she said hello to God, she heard a hello back. Still unsure of herself and her newfound faith, this was her only interaction, her only prayer for herself for a long while. She began small with simply saying hello as if to a friend, and her faith continued to evolve from that small step. My son Xavier is five. He has no idea I'm talking about him right now either. <laughs> He's a social kid, and he makes friends easily. I'm always surprised at how easily children make friends, aren't you? I find myself watching and learning whenever Xavier is in a new environment with other kids. How quickly we forget, right? How easily we tend to put our walls up around other people instead of seeing them as potential friends. We get in the way of ourselves. As a parent, I've also observed that the books we read to our children are full of references to friendship. Friendship may very well be the first virtue that we teach and the highest value for which our children wish to strive. As many of us say, we cannot choose our family, but we are thankful many times that we can choose our friends. We tend to think, though, that friendship is juvenile sometimes, but it's not. Friendship may be the hardest thing of all. I have found that as an adult, it is increasingly harder to make friends and have friendships that last. We become too busy, too disconnected, too wrapped up in other things, or we feel that social media takes the place of that friendship bond. It is a lot of work to have and keep friends. But the reality is that friendship and the knowing, loving, and free and joyful giving to another is the passionate desire of God for each of us. I'd like to close with a story of an unlikely friendship between two little boys. In August of 2019, at the beginning of the school year, this photo showing these two little boys holding hands went viral. Connor is an autistic boy going into the second grade. 
He was going into school alone for the very first time. His bus trip went well, but when he got to school, he froze with fear and started to cry. He hid in a corner, unable to walk into the building. But Christian, another boy, saw Connor and walked over to him to comfort him. He took Connor's hand and led him inside. Connor later told a reporter that Christian found me and held my hand and I got happy tears. He was kind to me. Connor's mom later said that Christian is Connor's first real friend. They have an inseparable bond. As we look at this picture, we might see an icon for these days. A Jesus tenderly leading a frightened boy toward a new world as a friend who comforts us and reaches out a hand to hold in difficult and frightening moments. Jesus calls us friends. In Jesus, we have a friendship that is mutual, a friendship that is a hand extended with another reaching back. My prayer for you today is that you take time to consider what Jesus as a friend means to you. Take a few moments today, perhaps make a few notes on your bulletin about how Jesus has been a friend. My hope is that we will begin the process of freeing Jesus out of whatever box we have placed him in or whatever constraints that we have put him in. And may we all feel challenged to rediscover the Jesus of experience and to open our hearts to where he may lead us. Amen. We'll take a few moments to pray for one another, to lift up the joys and concerns upon our hearts before we have communion. So I invite you in this space to pray silently for a few moments to pray to God for that which weighs heavily upon you. And then we'll have a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. of hope, freedom, and mercy. We thank you that you call us friends. We thank you that you reach out and lead us into those dark places, those scary places, and that as a friend, you take our hand and rejoice with us when we are rejoicing. Today, O oh God, we confess the ways that you have put put. Well, you, we have put you into a box. We confess the times that we have a narrow view of who you are. As humans, we tend to make labels. We want to be comfortable. We want to see you as familiar. And while that can be good, oh God, we are challenged at the same time to take you out of those boxes to free you we may see you in new ways, in new lights, perhaps as if through a kaleidoscope, that you change and move, that you challenge us, that you call us out of our comfort zone, that we may be one with you in the world. 
So we are invited today to reflect upon you as friend. What does that mean to us? How are you a friend in our lives? And then how might we be a friend to someone else? Lord, today we all come with busy schedules. We come with stresses or anxieties. We come with loneliness or brokenness or pain. Some of us come with rejoicing and joy in our hearts. Some of us have much to look forward to, and some of us are not sure what's next. But God, as a friend, you meet us where we are, and you take our hand and you lead us. So today, oh God, we are mindful of so many things in the world that are in need of a healing prayer or touch. We lift up today the anniversary of 9-11 for the lives that were lost, for the destruction that it caused, and for the helpers that rallied to help. God, send your peace that even now as we reflect, we remember, as we are still in a world of pain and suffering, that we would be agents for peace wherever we are. We will continue to share the love and friendship of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we come today also with people on our minds, perhaps those struggling with medical concerns, for those grieving the loss of a loved one, for those discovering for the first time, perhaps, what it means to be in a relationship with you. We lift up those who are seeking, those who are hurting, those who have challenges that we will never know about. And we thank you, O oh God, that you stand with us in each and every season of our lives. We are thankful for you. We are thankful for your friendship. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please no more. 
because we get a story about Jesus with his friends. I know a lot of people will, say, will talk about communion as a meal that he shared with his disciples or a meal that he shared with his followers, but it's so much more than that. He was eating with his friends. He says, I no, I no longer call you followers. I no longer call you servants. You are my friends. And even Jesus had levels of friends just like we do. He had 5,000 people following him that he might have called friends. But then he had his 12. And then he had his three. 
the three people that he would very soon after this meal ask to follow him into the garden to pray. And Jesus calls us as friend as well. And we can come to the table knowing that we're not approaching some unapproachable deity. We're not approaching some far away God. But we are coming to share a meal with a friend. So as you come to the table today, I invite you to think about the relationship that you have with God. How he calls you friend. As we remember the night that Jesus was killed. He was eating with his friends. And he took bread and he broke it. And he passed it around the table to his friends and said, take and eat. This is my body for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to his friends and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. God, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to join together today. To come here into this place and worship God, we thank you that you have called us friend. That our opportunity to be here today is not just some worshiping this far off thing, God, but that you desire a relationship with us. You desire reconciliation with us, and it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter who we've been or where we've been or who or whatever it is, God, you desire reconciliation and you invite us to the table as a friend. God, I have to be honest, I'm not always that good of a friend. And I'm so thankful that we're invited anyway. God, we ask today that you would make these gifts of bread and juice for us to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in the Methodist Church, we believe in an open table, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to share with us in communion. The only thing we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God. At the altar on the floor, you'll find communion cups that you can join in. If you have an action card or an offering and you'd like to bring that as an act of worship, you can drop it in the basket. Come when you're ready. Take some time to prepare for communion if you'd like. You can stop at the altar rail, light a candle. We'll be playing some music in the background. It'll take as long as you need. Come, friends.
sing a song of praise. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know oh I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken my fear doesn't stay chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love the shame no longer has a place to hide 
Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We invite you now to go in the peace and the knowledge that God will never be contained in a box. Go and let him out. Go in peace.